Welcome to Blockchain Recorded, the podcast for the tech curious, where we talk about anything and everything related to the exponentially evolving crypto, blockchain, and Web 3.0 space. Our mission is simple, to share knowledge, facilitate discourse, and help evolve education in blockchain fundamentals, decentralization solutions, and relevant use cases for today's digital economy. We at Blockchain Recorded are not registered investment advisors and do not deal with financial or trading token elements, nor offer any licensed financial services. The content of this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, while the opinions of all parties involved are their own. I'm your host, Nina Tserar, and now let's talk blockchain. Before I introduce our guest today, I'd like to remind our listeners to follow us on Twitter, where we pre-stream each episode on Twitter Spaces the day before publishing on all major podcast platforms. For the platform list, visit our website, blockchainrecorded.com. In addition, Blockchain Recorded Podcast is a proud media partner of the upcoming Istanbul Blockchain Week event. For further event information, speakers, and ticket details with available discounts, check istanbulblockchainweek.com. This episode is dedicated to the Web3 Stronger Together ecosystem initiative and its first virtual summit, which took place between March 1st and March 4th, 2023 in Evelyn's Metaverse, a virtual platform uniting several hundred Web3 leaders and thinkers, over 100 projects and speakers, and over 5,000 attendees from across the world. The purpose of Web3 Stronger Together, with which Blockchain Recorded is a proud media partner, is to demonstrate to the crypto community that the Web3 ecosystem is strong, solidary, active, and committed to furthering innovation, despite the status of the market and nature of price speculations. It emphasizes the importance of fairness, inclusivity, diversity, and sustainability to furthering healthy Web3 fundamentals. The summit included many panel discussions with assigned topics, which Blockchain Recorded is redistributing in audio form. The third panel discussion on March 2nd and 12th panel overall explores CBDCs and stablecoins. The speakers were Charmaine Short, the CEO and Web3 consultant at Ediverse Limited and co-founder of Women of Crypto Art DAO, David Creer, Global TLT and crypto lead at GFT Group, Hassan El-Bakali, CEO of iCapital Ventures and blockchain advisor and consultant, and Philippe Furlan from FrenchCrypto.org, a crypto blockchain software lead developer and architect. The speakers first defined the stablecoin and CBDC, their role and potential risk in the industry. They discussed the difference between the two, whether programmable money is needed, and use case considerations from varying points of view. The following is the panel's discussion hosted by Laurent Perello, the leader behind the Web3 Stronger Together ecosystem initiative. We do apologize for potential audio drops due to choppy internet connections. We edited the recording to the best of our ability. Welcome again for this uh, panel discussion free day two, first uh, virtual summit, Web3 Stronger Together virtual summit. I'm really excited to welcome our today guests, uh, we have uh, David, Hassan, Philippe, and uh, Charmaine. We will talk today about uh, DeFi and the future of money, exploring uh, CBDC and uh, stablecoin, and uh, their potential uh, role in this uh, financial uh, revolution. So welcome again, and thank you for uh, taking part and bring your vision, your contribution. We will uh, start uh, quickly uh, by uh, I will invite you to introduce yourself, explain what you do and why are you involved in Web3. So, Hassan, let's start. Welcome. 
Thank you very much, Laurent. Uh, hello and good morning, everybody. Uh, first of all, it's a pleasure being with you here. Uh, why am I involved in Web3? Actually, I am more from a traditional financial service standpoint. I've been working a few years with MasterCard that you probably all know, and many more years with AXA, which is a big insur insurance company. Uh, still in that perspective, you know, I can say that I have a quite uh, big and uh, deep understanding of the financial service. And that made me, made me think about how I can contribute to make it better, uh, more inclusive, uh, nicer for us people. Uh, and you, to be frank, that's how I started my uh, journey in the Web3. Because I'm very much convinced that uh, wherever where we are coming from uh, and what our background experience, professional background is, we can contribute to making uh, this, uh, I would say, world a better world. And including uh, with those actors, uh, some of them are not able and some of them are helping us and will help us to grow. Uh, and that's uh, why I believe Web3 is a unique opportunity to, I would say, uh, make those actors contribute differently, nicer. Uh, and I hope I can contribute on my side by uh, this way, uh, helping them improve uh, the way they work. Thanks. Thanks to you and welcome again. Sharmen, welcome. Hi, uh, thanks for having me again. Uh, right, so I run IT consultant and I've been delivering services across regulatory payments change programs in financial institutions for many years. Um, I've been a cryptocurrency enthusiast since 2019 and in 2020 I got into collecting NFTs and this led me to co-found a DAOM called Women of Crypto Art, which onboards and supports uh, women creators onto blockchain. And I now offer Wave3 consultancy through my company Etiverse, which helps organisations to launch successful projects using blockchain technology, including digital currency, NFTs and the Metaverse. Welcome and uh, thanks again for uh, contributing to this uh, first virtual summit. Philippe, Bienvenue. Hello, Look, I'm Philippe from FrenchCrypto.org. Uh, I'm a member of uh, underground organizations that are building a new uh, web-free blockchain cryptocurrencies that plan to survive the upcoming uh, crypto bubble burst. Uh, we are building the crypto of the people, by the people and for the people. That's it for now. Welcome. David. Bonjour, Laurent. Uh, bonjour. So yeah, I've been involved in the, um, let's say like blockchain space, because I think Web3, depending on how you look at it, there's a lot more to blockchain than just Web3, right? Um, but I've been involved in to the blockchain space since 2014. I uh, When I first started at GFT at that point in time, I was an innovation consultant, um, and that's when they were starting off their first projects in, in blockchain. Um, GFT is a technology services provider, and we work a lot of the time with traditional financial services um, uh, institutions, so banks, exchanges, uh, asset managers, etc, etc. And um, we've done a lot of stuff um, for them in terms of how do you use uh, blockchain technology, for example, for they're representing flows in capital markets or for institutional crypto or for um, identity uh, processes. And we continue to carry on basically working in that. But more and more now, I think we're seeing uh, that people want to understand about the future of finance and how blockchain technology or even just crypt cryptographic technology in the case of CBDCs will, will underpin, uh, you know, the, the 
the uh, the financial technology of the future, right? So, um, so yeah, so ha really happy to be here on this panel and uh, really happy to be uh, speaking with all of the other panelists here today. Should be a good talk. Thanks, David, uh, for this uh, introduction, and it's the perfect uh, transition. Let's jump in the today uh, topic, DeFi, the future of money. And we, we hear uh, a lot, uh, actually, about CBDC, a central bank uh, exploring uh, CBDC. We also know uh, that the stablecoin has a, a really important role in the crypto uh, ecosystem. We have seen some drama. We know that, that re regulators now are taking care uh, more and more about defining uh, clear guidance for, for stablecoin. There is the, some polemic uh, also about uh, how they are backed. So let's uh, maybe start by defining, I want to talk about uh, stablecoin first, if you agree. What is a stablecoin? And we have centralized stablecoin, decentralized, uh, algorithmic. What is your, your point of view and how do, could you define the, what is a stablecoin and the role in the blockchain industry, crypto industry and uh, all around in Web3? We want to, to jump on this. Charmin. Yeah, so cryptocurrency um, can be very volatile. I mean, it may be worth, you know, a thousand pounds one day and then the next day it's worth 500 pounds. So if you want to have some stability for budgeting and pricing, you're better to use a cryptocurrency which is pegged to the dollar, for example. And it's if you if it's something like your your job that you get paid and you want to get the paid the same amount every month, you don't want to be getting paid in Bitcoin or Ether necessarily. So it's useful for that. It's also useful um, if you want to trade uh, cryptocurrencies and not be hit by taxes uh, more than you need to. So if you change your say your Bitcoin into a stable coin before you would want to change it into another cryptocurrency and you're not being hit by, by different taxes. So that it's useful for those sorts of things. It's, it's the stability, really, as long as it's backed by something. So I used to um, invest in stable coins uh, and I used to have UST, which was based on the Terra blockchain. And then in May last year, it was an algorithmic blockchain and it actually collapsed. And all my UST stable coin, which was worth a dollar, was worth about one cent. So I have had my fingers burnt personally by stable coins. Um, so people need to be careful and see what is actually behind it, <laughs> which I think is where a central bank digital currency is maybe the solution. So, you know, uh, the, the Luna collapse uh, has been one of the reasons why I have started uh, this uh, Web3 Stronger Together initiative uh, last year in August to try to federate, aggregate smart people, trustable people, uh, because it's, it's easy to, to say that uh, in blockchain uh, we trust, but uh, behind, all around, inside, it's all about real people. And we need also to try to create a, a smart ecosystem. I mean, uh, trustable where people can really, personally, I will quickly share my states on the Luna. A lot of people told me about Luna. Uh, time to time I say, I stay outside and far away. It's not sustainable. You know, what we face also, it's uh, uh, we too, too often give value 
uh, to crypto based on hype and hype uh, never lasts across the topic but i know a lot of victims and it's it's really uh, something uh, disappointing Hassan, yeah. you, you have uh, you have also this in institutional uh, let's say uh, background for you what is the the, the role uh, the the advantage that brings stablecoin in the crypto industry and also we have started to discuss about the risk but how also institutional consider this and explain maybe why they need a cbdc we could consider it's mostly the same what is the difference also between cbdc and, and stablecoin okay uh one thing maybe first of all that Sharman mentioned which is very important don't get fooled by the name stablecoin. I think that's very first important. I think disclaimer that you have to make here. Uh, Sherman explained that it can be algorithmic or fake to some uh, stable, I would say, asset or not. Okay, who can believe today that dollar is a stable asset? Who can believe that gold is a stable asset? We have seen that gold has been also uh, has seen its price. I would say fluctuating a lot those last 10, 20 years. So stablecoin might be a very misleading word uh, nowadays. Uh, second, from an institutional point of view, that's very, very interesting what is happening because uh, if you understand how money is created, uh, and that's uh, in the topic just of today, uh, you understand that the debt is actually the main engine behind money creation. Uh, and you have seen what has happened the last uh, two or three years uh, with the value of our money, be it euro, dollar, yen, whatever money you are holding in your, in your wallet. Uh, third thing I wanted to add is stablecoin versus uh, CBDT from an institutional point of view. If you speak to MasterCard and even Visa, you will say that they are very aggressive in uh, taking positions in that world. However, they are looking uh, mainly at stablecoins. When I speak with my ex-colleagues at MasterCard, for example, uh, it's very hard for them to take positions on cryptocurrency that I would rather uh, look first at stablecoin. Uh, because they are indeed, uh, from a different center point, point of view, more stable than I would say the others. The other aspects, if you look at the CBDC, uh, there is a big war with commercial banks because don't forget that nowadays uh, your money is deposited on a bank account and this bank account is uh, hold, held on a commercial bank, which is at the end responsible to create the money, the, the credits that you use and so on. So at the moment that central banks are going to be issuing their own uh, currency, clearly the role of the commercial banks is uh, put at risk. So that's why I don't believe we are go not going to see a strong position from institutions on CBDC at this stage, because they need commercial banks to uh, invest into their uh, developments. They need commercial banks to create debt. They need commercial banks to be there to help them move forward and create growth. So that's, I think, why we see so much drama nowadays with CBDC is because, uh, yes, the central bank want them because they want to fight cryptocurrencies. But at the end, it's very difficult to do that with our commercial banks and commercial banks are there to support the growth of private companies. Thank you. It's a really interesting uh, statement. Uh, thanks for, for, for sharing, Hassan. Uh, uh, David, how do you do you consider uh, the, the role of so-called <laughs> stablecoin? And what is your point of view regarding CBDC? There is a risk for uh, with like uh, the, the the Mika new regulation in Europe to see uh, 
maybe uh, stable coin disappear. What is your point of view? Yeah, so, 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 so stable coin, I mean, it does what it says on the tin, right? So the idea is to have some kind of coin which you can use for payment or settlement. And that can either be from using a publicly issued stable coin. So, so for example, USDC or USDT or something like that. Or it could even be a bank issued stable coin as well. So you could have, I don't know, Barclays coin, right? And the, uh, the reason for doing that was basically to be able to have a settlement process that was not affected by market, uh, you know, not impacted by market events. So what we are seeing um, is that stable coins are obviously being used for this um, process. And some people are also using them like Charmaine was for, for investment or investment purposes. But actually, a lot of the commercial banks are more thinking about how they, what's the interaction between stable coins and their settlement systems, how they can use stable coins to be able to basically pay for uh, traditional assets and basically keep everything within this kind of closed loop system to not go out and then settle the into into fiat which basically takes maybe a day or two to be able to do and also the same on the payments leg as well right so if you think about you know how long it takes to be able to transfer money let's talk about like you know cross-border payments um you know so we we did uh we launched we had a launch event of the universal digital payments network the other day or the, about a month ago when davos and to be able to pay for the, um, the people to be able to basically rent the room, we had to basically send a transfer that took three days to do. And there wasn't any kind of, um, there wasn't any kind of traceability in that. Uh, we couldn't see what was going on between those two or three days. And in, in the end, it did go through, but it took two or three days to be able to process that, that, that wire transfer between, um, Hong Kong and, um, and Switzerland, right? So that process is completely broken, right? And that's where we need to be able to have these kind of, you know, we need to be able to have a transaction process, which is more transparent and which is more, and um, which is quicker. At this point in time, that's, that could be done via, via private, uh, privately issued stable coins or publicly issued stable coins. But in the future, that will undoubtedly be done, um, via CBDCs, but then it won't be just one CBDC, will it? Because you're talking about a lot of international, um, business that goes on. So, you know, sending money in this case between Hong Kong and, and Switzerland, but it could be, you know, there's lots of people who do remittance between different countries all the time. So CBDCs will be used basically for these international payments or for local payments, but all CBDCs work in a, in a different way. So there's a huge underlying problem here around interoperability, right? And about how stable coins on one side, which are filling the gap for the time being and CBDCs in the future, which will be the payment, um, payment service of the future when payments are automated and you know we, we all do payments in a more let's say uh automated and less less manual way um but none of these are based on the same kind of technologies none of these have the same distribution models none of these have the same formats there isn't any kind of like underlying standards bodies that, that rate this and that's why things like the universal digital payment network or these kinds of things which are kind of bringing CBDC technologies together and also stablecoin technologies together are super important. How market events like Terra and Terra Luna and all of that is is kind of managed is really up to the regulators, right? In my opinion, and because you also have that traditional finance as well. You had the era of wildcat banking in the US, where you had these banks and they basically issued their own money. They issued their own money. They didn't have any reserves. They were meant to have fifty thousand dollars worth of reserves. They didn't have that and they basically issued their own money and a lot of these banks um, went bust because eventually there was an investigation into it they found that they didn't have the money the bank went bust that the, the the money was was not worth anything and that's what we're having 
also now a kind of moment around that in stablecoin. But the regulation is kind of gradually kind of like catching up to be able to make sure that actually these kind of, um, I don't know, the algorithmic, especially the algorithmic backed stablecoins, um, cannot have a really empty reserve, right? Um, that actually, if they do have a reserve, it's got to be a, a properly, uh, you know, backed, uh, backed stablecoin. So I think I think we will get there. But I would say that we're still at that that first point in actually using it as money and it being kind of like used on the op open market. And we are really at kind of just getting out of that kind of like wildcat banking stage now um, in the in the, in the stablecoin era. I think. It's uh, really uh, exciting to hear uh, your 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 thought a little uh, uh, and your analysis of the uh, the, the, the stable coin and the future of uh, CBDC. Philippe, what what's your point of view? Uh, do we need stable coin? Do we need CBDC? We will see a kind of competition between. What's your point of view? We need some currency for sure, but CBDC it's a currency created by central bank. Stablecoin is a currency created by anybody. In fact, it's illegal to create some, some, some stablecoin because only a central bank are authorized to issue a money currency. Uh, today they decide the, the bank knows that, um, since uh, the arrival of the Bitcoin, uh, that there is a thread against the bank because with the Bitcoin, we don't need back anymore. Okay, the reason that the bank reacted to, to, to this uh, issue and decided to create the CBDC, it's a total joke, uh, but they have to because they want to be sure that they are going to survive. They don't want that we move into a world where we, we use cryptocurrency instead of cash. Look, stablecoin, uh, with stablecoin will, will disappear when the bank will be, uh, providing to the end user of a so-called cryptocurrency. In fact, it's not cryptocurrency, but it's, 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 uh, CBDC is just, uh, um, to communicate to the end users that all the crypto cryptocurrency are bad and they don't know how we need to express that to the people. They, they cannot really fight uh, against, uh, cryptocurrencies, the real ones, the Bitcoin in particularly, because they, It's, it's so great when you use Bitcoin to, you can transfer directly with nothing bike anymore. Uh, because the biggest issue of when CBDC will be ready and they're going to be ready by, uh, uh, the end of this year. And so it's, uh, it's announced and, uh, and it's not, it is all over the world. It's, uh, almost 90% of, uh, the central banks are going to issue CBDC. And when we, we can talk more about CBDC, what is going to be. Uh, it's a very interesting subject, but stablecoin, uh, will disappear on it. It's a total joke. It means we don't know, nobody is checking who can check what are the reserves of a stablecoin. Uh, the government are not going to lose their time to regulate them. They don't need to. They just say you are not the right to issue stablecoin. Don't stop it. Uh, we see with Binance uh, stablecoin that uh, it was not possible to exchange your, uh, your Binance stablecoin uh, for one US dollar, the government can decide at any moment to, to stop that from here to and it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's a really uh, good point. Uh, you, you highlight, I often uh, discuss uh, with a member of the crypto uh, world about we will see the, uh, the stablecoin disappearing for a few reasons. It can be, uh, as we, we have seen uh, recently with uh, 
BUSD, regulatory decision, or maybe due to the a real mass adoption, because for now, we, we often uh, say, yeah, it's really useful uh, in a, a such volatile uh, crypto world. So being able, and also because the regulation in the term of uh, taxation is uh, often not well uh, implemented uh, or clearly implemented or not well uh, managed. So, but what if a mass adoption reduces the, the, the volatility? Do we still need a stablecoin? When we see the value of stablecoin, we value them with fiat money. It means we compare them to, to real money and the people, the, the bank who owns the real money at one moment will say, we don't want you to uh, to do that, they, they, they really, the, the bank controls the money, they can do what they want with it. And if at one moment you try to issue your own money, I tried to do it a few years ago, uh, they will say to me, no, no, you don't have the legal right to do it, stop it. Uh, you, you would go to jail and, and, uh, in, in France, there is uh, somebody recently who decided to start to create, uh, their own money and they are in big trouble from a legal point of view. Myself, I uh, uh, decide to become a, a candidate to the French presidential campaign. And part of my program was to issue of uh, cryptocurrencies uh, on numerity. Uh, and, uh, and the reason of that is with a, f uh, a cryptocurrency, you can do a lot of great things, but you can also create a lot of bad things. And uh, and unfortunately, uh, the existing bank uh, may not do good things with the uh, digital money. Maybe yeah. Laurent, a few thoughts yeah. on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wanted to to, to ask you. Uh, <laughs> I was looking at you, and uh, I, I seen you, you were ready also to, yeah. to interrupt. Please. Uh, I, I I also believe that uh, stablecoin is rather an intermediary step. Why? Maybe to explain my interesting. First of all, let's understand that when uh, we talk about payments, payments are not made by banks. Let's not forget that payments are made by payment service providers, the Visa, the Mastercard, the GCB, the Swift, so the Wall, the Clearinghouse, and so on. So commercial banks are only, I would say, point of contacts which provide payment means. If you look at the payment side, who receives the payment, the merchants, uh, most of them will accept any mean of payments. Uh, as soon as it's legal, be it cryptocurrency, stablecoin, potatoes, whatever. And what we have seen, let's not forget, AXA has been the first insurer in 2018 to accept uh, premium payments in Bitcoin and Ethereum. But as soon as they were receiving the payment, they were converting to fiat. That brings us back to the point of chairman, as uh, until we still have to pay, I would say, charges, wages in fiat, there is no way we will, uh, I would say, uh, be in a position to hold in our balance sheets something else than euro, dollar, and the rest. And this brings me to the transition to what Philip said. Only a regulator with the power to make something illegal or legal can replace cash, euro, dollar by something else. And that something else will not be a stablecoin. If it happens one day, if it happens one day, and I don't believe it might happen that easily. Interesting. It will be CBDC. Why? Because, again, uh, that's the only way you can enforce, legally, put people in jail uh, to accept something or not. And I say if it happens, because once again, there is something very strong be between the retail, uh, the retail people, us consumers, and the central banks is the commercial banks. 
And I don't believe commercial banks are going to let that happen uh, because that's about their survival, which is at stake. It's really interesting uh, point of view. Yeah, David, maybe uh, you have something. Uh... I think I just want to make one point and that it's not just about issuing a CBDC. It's also about making sure that people actually use CBDC or digital currencies because they have issued a CBDC in the, in the Bahamas. The Bahamas was the first, you know, the, the Sandcoin was the first CBDC that was issued. I think it was maybe three years ago or something like that. But the uptake of use of it is actually quite minimal because all they're doing is, is transfers. And the people that actually go to the Bahamas, generally, they come with their wads of, of, of Joes or whatever it is, you know, thousands of, of dollars from the, from the USD. Um, same kind of thing is happening in Nigeria at the moment, right? So they had the launch of the of the eNaira, another another production uh, use case. It's been in production, but people haven't really been using it. Why haven't they been using it? They haven't been using it because actually they already have payment systems by Mastercard or Swift or whatever it is that are in place and that work, you know, fairly well. Apart from you know the international transfer, inter international cross border stuff that I was mentioning before. So really, what you need to do is you need to bring something to the table which is like very innovative. So all of the stuff around programmable money, all of the stuff around offline payments um, using digital wallets, all of that kind of stuff is like so important. And I think if there's any central banks that are listening to this, um, or if there's any people out there that are in that are interested in this and are lobbying those kind of those kind of institutions, I would say to them, don't rush into issuing a CBDC. Issue a CBDC on technology that can actually support programmable money and do something interesting with it. Because if you don't do that, then actually the CBDC will go on market and nobody will use it. Really, really interesting. Uh, yes, uh, Philippe, and then I will ask to, to Charlene also to share our point of view. Yeah, programmable, programmable money, do we really need that? Do we want to offer to the bank? the possibility to use such money. You know what we can do with that, it's, 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 it's very good. But we can do very horrible things. For example, we can, the bank can decide to, uh, to issue some money that may disappear in one month. They give you some money, but the, the smart contract on this money uh, say uh, in one month your money disappears, so you have to spend it. It, and it's what is going to happen is the reason that the, the bank realized that uh, on, on this cryptocurrency, there is a lot of, uh, of new possibility uh, in, in the money system to, to do a lot of things, good or bad. But depending on the use case, that could be okay. So for example, in China with the CBDC, they have this concept of the red packets, right? So the red packets are basically money that you give to your loved ones on Golden Week, which is a Chinese thing. And during that time, then you basically use that to be able to pay for presents or whatever it is. And the way that they did is they had to basically program money issued into digital red packets, which were given to the population in, I think it was Shanghai um, and some of the outlying cities around there. And they could use that within Golden Week. So it was actually a, a real representation of the kind of thing that you were meant to be doing in, in, in that world. So I think it, it, yes, you could do things with it. You could say, oh, we'll only give you a mortgage that, that lasts this amount of time. If you don't that do it, then we'll automatically put your house up for sale. But I don't, I don't, I don't think that it will be used that way. I think it'll be used in a more constructive way. No, with programming money, it's one, it's one guy that say, I'm going, uh, I want 
to have the money do these things, and that's it. And and the people who will use this money will have no liberty. They will have to to comply to what uh, they decide, and, and that is pretty bad. We 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 really uh, cryptocurrency. You can lose uh, your your freedom about what you can do with with money. It's uh, and because also it's who takes the decision of what you do with the money. And it's going to be the government, the bank system will decide. It's not going to be the people. People who want to, to save their the money for the future, we may um, say to them, no, you cannot anymore save money. We don't want to. And is that the big danger of um, CBDC? And by the way, CBDC will be adopted by everybody because uh, okay, we need to realize what is going to be in the beginning. It will be just a payment system because uh, for sure the commercial bank, uh, as I mentioned that, are afraid of CBDC and they should be afraid. Uh, and in fact, the, it's still in negotiation at, at this moment. This year, in, in 2023, is going to be very interesting because they... At the end of this year, they they have to decide if yes or no they move forward with a CBDC plan, and they have to define clearly what is going to be. Uh, and for now, I think we start to 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 see what is going to be in the beginning. There's going to be a payment system because they're going to issue. Uh, it's going to be very simple, even to, in terms of technologies. They're not going to use blockchain or a complex system. It's going to be quite system. They're going to issue a, a simple debit card. They even have decided to limit. Put pla uh, platform on the top at uh, 3,000. Uh, in the case of uh, euro, 3,000 euro, they cannot spend more than 3,000 euro with it. And um, they are going to, to claim that uh, they are going to have the property of uh, of the cryptocurrency. For example, you are going to be able to pay from person to person. Uh, but in fact, the, the bank will be in between like before. And it's going to be the beginning of... Um, and once... Uh, there is a very interesting debate, and the message that I would like to, to really carry today is that we need to really talk a lot about this CBDC and debate a lot. We need to, during my campaign, the national campaign, uh, people say, it's never going to happen. No way. No way that we are going to have this type of uh, money appears. And, and I make a mistake in my campaign because I'm sure that what I'm going to do with this uh, French crypto money, I'm going to... Uh, remove that is going to have no more taxes anymore because we can really create. Uh, 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 Philip, Phil, Philip, it's really uh, uh, fascinating. Uh, I, I see how uh, committed you are, uh, are really spreading the word. I want to 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 give also the the, the mic to to Charlene. Uh, the the time is is running fast. Uh, I promise you, we will organize again a debate uh, and with a longer uh, time, uh, more time to to to, to dive. Uh, because it's so so uh, exciting, Charmin. Your uh, your reaction, uh, your feedback. Uh, we are uh, close to to end this uh, this panel discussion. What do you want to share with, with us about CBDC, stablecoin? Should we be afraid of of uh, the emergence of uh, CBDC? What's your point yeah. of view? Well, yeah, I, I agree with what everybody said here. And I think before any more countries actually issue a stable coin, they need to have consultations, consultations with the banks, the public, 
There needs to be education. There is a lot of fear. People think, oh, programmable money. They could take the money out of my account. They could do, instead of bailing out the banks, they'll bail people in. They'll take money out of your account to give you shares in a bank that's on the brink of the, you know, bankruptcy. You know, there's lots of fear just now. Um, so I think education would, would solve that. And coming back to, you know, um, controlling what you can do with your money, um, in the UK, um, pensioners, old people, they get this thing called a winter fuel allowance, right? And it's a few hundred pounds gets paid into their bank account to help pay their heating bills through the cold months. Now, the problem with this scheme is a very good scheme, but they get this money in their account at the start of December, now, what do all these old people do? Do they pay? Do they put their heating on? No, they buy Christmas presents for their family for using this money for something completely different. Now, if a CBDC um, sort of windfall was put into your account and say you can only use this for your electricity and gas bill, then the people wouldn't be cold, you know. So I can see it both ways. There are, you know, my salary. Yes, I want to spend that on whatever I want. Might want to buy Bitcoin with it, mm. but you know, if it's an allowance or you know a, a school uniform allowance for your children, it should be spent on that thing, and it should be spent within the right period of time. <laughs> thanks, thanks for uh, for sharing uh, your point of view. I send a last word. Yes, uh, I wanted to say uh, I may be a, a bit uh, picky here uh, that programmable money is an utopia. Uh, and why do I say that? Is because money is already programmable. Uh, yeah. If you are a parent, I I'm sure you are very happy to know that you can control the way your children are using their money, their debit card, virtual debit cards, and those are tools that payment schemes are, are mastering since 10 years. And I think you may not, some people might not necessarily realize it. If you are in Greece three years ago, you are told that you could only withdraw 30 euros at the ATM per day. If you are in Canada one year ago and you supported the truck store, you had your bank account frozen. So money is already programmable. The question is not about is it or not. The question is how do we want money to be managed? If it's centrally managed, we are at risk. If it's decentrally managed, we give power back to us, to the citizens of the world. Thanks to you. It's it's, it's very uh, interesting. David, to, to close uh, uh, this uh, exciting uh, d debate, your last word. Yeah, so, so I would just say that, yeah, I mean, as, as Hassan has said, I mean, your money at, at this point in time, you can do things with your money, right? So your money is programmable. You could set limits. You could offer products. You could give the products which gave you cash for a certain amount of time and then didn't you know release them if you didn't do payments that is all, that is all possible but the thing that that stops the commercial banks from doing terrible things with your money is regulation and it will continue to be regulation in a CBDC world so i don't i don't see why a new technology which would potentially mean that on and off ramps for digital currencies and on and off ramps for settlement for things, whatever it is, is going to necessarily change that. If I'm 100% honest, I, and I am like very crypto focused as well. I think that the the idea of you know the the, the new era of finance and that everybody has a distributed uh, payment system and the, the original vision of Bitcoin, like I buy that 100%. But I, I don't I don't think that because we have programmable money through CBDCs that all of a sudden banks are just going to be able to do what they want with our money or central banks are going to be able to do what their money because that there'll be too much resistance to it. Thanks, thanks to you. 
Thanks to you guys, it's time to end this uh, really exciting and inspiring uh, uh, discussion. Uh, you contribute to un uh, enrich uh, my uh, my my vision too. It was a pleasure and uh, see you soon. Let's uh, keep uh, building together. Bye bye. Thank you. Thanks again to our guests and thank you everyone for listening. Thanks also to the Barian Music team for providing their music. You can check them out on barianmusic.com. All of the supporting information is on our website, blockchainrecorded.com. You can listen to us on Google, Apple, and Amazon podcasts, as well as on YouTube, Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter and YouTube, where we are super grateful for your support. Stay tuned for our next episode.